Those are powerful words. Dare we sing them? Dare we say them? Would you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1? We'll be reading verses 21 through 28, and a little bit later, uh, the first 11 verses in chapter 2. And as you're turning in your Bibles or the Pew Bible or turning on your phones to look at the Bible, let's pray together. Father and God, Heavenly Father, our good Heavenly Father, we declare today that we need you, that we ask you to help us to believe. Lord, many, we've already studied your word together, many of us. Lord, we ask that you would continue to feed us from your word, your truth. Holy Spirit, give birth to faith. Holy Spirit, nurture our faith. Open our hearts to hear your voice speaking to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. For your honor and glory, Lord. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning at verse 21. When the man Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. May God add his blessing to his word to us today. May we understand it and be changed by it. The word of God is a masterpiece. And I hope as we go through 1 Samuel that somehow I help you see how great and glorious God's word is and how masterful it is because God knows how to tell a story. 1 Samuel the writer of it has been carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter, in a second letter, tells us that all the prophets were carried along by the Holy Spirit, and they only wrote what God wanted them to. Their personalities come out, their style comes out, but God was guiding. And, and we, we will see that, I hope, as we study through 1 Samuel. This book communicates to us, as old as it is, 3,000 years old or so, what we need to know, to know God, to love God, to serve God, to trust God, and how God works in our lives, it's there for us to see. Samuel's story is part of God's redemption plan, his story of rescue, his story of deliverance. And the opening chapters, verses 1 through 7, are Samuel's story, but it doesn't start with Samuel, it starts with Hannah. Why? Because it's Hannah's faith that God takes as a stronghold to deliver his people, 
to begin to rescue his people, to continue his plan of redemption. God, or excuse me, Hannah's humble dependence on God. Through that faith, God removed her disgrace, but not only her disgrace, he was going to remove the disgrace of Israel and their ups and downs and not trusting God and falling away and coming back and then going back. And God is rescuing and they deserve to be destroyed. God, as the psalmist says in Psalm 103, does not, did not treat Israel as their sins deserved. And you know what? I stand before you today. God has not treated me as my sins deserve. So Hannah prayed. And we have that prayer recorded in chapter 2, the first 11 verses, and we're going to get there. But it's more than a prayer or a hymn, a song of praise and joy. It's an overture. And all the themes that, that Hannah lays out and, and, and the things she says about God in her song of joy, this servant song, we're going to see it played out in 1 Samuel. So we're going to look at those themes, and then we're going to see how it all plays out in the lives of the people in Samuel, those who were trusting in God and those who weren't, and how it all worked out. Let me remind you of this. God is king. And the verses are up there, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, and we go back there. And we see how this is, has worked out in Hannah's life. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's an invitation from your God and creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, telling us, Come to me, and you will find rest. You'll get all that your heart's desiring, but come to me. Learn from me. G. Campbell Morgan said, The triumph of a person is God's triumph over them, and those who surrender to God, take his yoke on them, will have victory, and those who refuse it or shrug it off will experience only God's wrath. So we look at Hannah just before we move into Samuel. 1 Samuel, chapter 1. When the man Elkanah went up with all his family to the, to the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. The vow is being kept. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how when Samuel was born or prayed for, Hannah promised that if the Lord gave her a son, that she would give him to the Lord. Well, now we see that she's beginning, she's going to keep that vow. She states it here. There's a, fam, a family filled with faith here, and we see that the faith, that there's faith in this home. It's united in that faith because Elkanah and Hannah are on the same page they're going to give this boy, this son, this one who, who they had prayed for, hoped for. Hannah had been miserable. Here he is, and they're going to give him back to the Lord. And we see that Elkanah had that same belief. He, he's believing, he's trusting. This is his, his son, probably his heir, but yet he's giving him to the Lord. 
Faith overcame natural instincts to want to keep that boy, this precious gift. So faith in a united home and faith was laying hold of God in prayer. I want to just highlight verses 26 and 27. Hannah now has, is gone back to Shiloh to worship the Lord at the tabernacle. And she's giving Samuel to the Lord. They worship the Lord. They slaughtered a three-year-old bull. She goes to Eli, and in verse 26 she says, and she said to him, as surely as you live, in other words, what she's saying here is, I'm telling you the truth. You're here, you're alive, Eli. Well, here's the truth. As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. Look at verse 17 of chapter 1. Hannah's words echo the very blessing that Eli had given to her years before. Eli had said, may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And Hannah says, I've prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. You know what's different about their two sayings, though? Eli just used like a generic word like God. May the God of Israel, but Hannah used Jehovah. That's the name for God of the covenant. She had this intimate relationship with her God, and she used that intimate covenant name, this relationship name that God likes to use when he's making promises to his people, and she used it. She was walking in close community with his God, and that Trust in that God enable her to give her son back to God. Children of God, keep learning more and more how to take hold of God in prayer. To pray with passion. To dare to ask like Hannah did. Back in the New Testament, back in Matthew chapter 7, again, Jesus Gave us an invitation, familiar words for many of you. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good, give good gifts to those who ask him? Know the heart of your heavenly Father. Get to know this God who's invited you into his presence. Get to know his heart and what he loves, and you'll begin to prayer, ask, Pray daring prayers like Hannah did. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I've quoted him a few times already, but he says this about prayer. I love it. We are privileged to know that he, that is, God knows our needs before we ask him. That gives Christians prayers, boundless confidence and joyous certainty. 
It matters little what form of prayer we adopt or how many words we use. What matters is faith, which lays hold of God and touches the heart of a father who knew long before we came to him. Genuine prayer is never good works, an exercise of a pious attitude, but it is always the prayer of a child to a father. Learning to know your father in heaven and and then daring to come to him and just say, here's what I want. Here's what I need. You know what I need. You know the attitude of my heart. If we didn't know, if God didn't know what we needed, we'd have to really shape our prayers, wouldn't we? I got to ask the right way. I got to use the right words. Got to come with the right attitude. Better not tell him this. I'll ask him for that today and maybe this tomorrow. You know, we don't have to do that. James chapter 5, James reminds us that the prayer of a righteous man or righteous woman person avails much. Then he talks about Elijah who prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And then when he prayed for it to rain, it did rain. Well, how could he do that? I mean, did any of you pray today that it wouldn't rain? We don't even go there, do we? He knew his father's will that he... He knew Israel was going astray, so he dared to pray for it not to rain, to bring the nation back to its senses. And he knew children were going to get hungry and probably starve to death without rain. But he dared to pray the prayer because something was more important, the glory of God, the will of God. And when we pray in Jesus' name, praying passionately for the things that we know Jesus would want us to pray for, then we can believe that prayers will be answered. Luke chapter 18 A rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked an amazing question, a good question. How do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him the law. You know, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And the the young ruler said, all these I've kept since I was a boy. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have, and then follow me. Trust me. Will I follow Jesus? Jim Elliott, you, many of you know the quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Unfortunately, the rich young ruler was unwilling to gain what he could not lose, and he kept what he would lose. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it's willing to go into the ground and die, it it bears much fruit. My father, he said, will honor those who dare to die and follow me and pick up their cross and follow me. Will I follow Jesus? Hannah was honored because she dared to ask. She dared to pray for God to be glorified, to use her son for what the nation needed. And I just ask you now, is heaven's up in glory, or Hannah's up in 
heaven's glory right now. Do you think she has any regrets she turned her son over to the Lord? Hmm. We're to give the first fruits, not the leftovers. We're to give the best sheep, not the lame sheep, the blind sheep, the weak sheep. We're to give the best to the Lord. And God takes our little and makes it much. So we need to connect the dots. I need to connect the dots about sowing and reaping. If we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly. If we sow generously, we reap generously. I understand that Pastor Alex really laid into us last week about going out and seeing the harvest and being a part of the harvest workers. How's my time investment in people's lives? Am I sowing so that there can be reaping? Am I sowing so the glory of the church can be lifted up and people can see the glory of Christ? Enough guilt, right? But let's believe our God is great. So, out of the New Testament, back to 1 Samuel. It says in verse, chapter 2, verse 1, Then Hannah prayed and said, and then we get into this song. But just before we go there, I just want to ask these questions as we transition into point two. When did Hannah say this prayer, sing this song of praise? We don't know. I just imagine that there was wrestling going on for the two, three, four, five years of turning Samuel over, whenever that was. But here God puts this song as the culmination of how her faith, whether it was wrestling or not, all these years, was she going to keep her vow? Was she going to back out on her vow? Surely God would understand. We'll give him the next one or maybe I won't have any more children. Will I give up this one son, this gift of God, whatever was going on? I don't know. I'm just using my sanctified imagination here. But what we have here, here's the culmination. If there was any doubts along the way or questions if she was going to give her son or not, God wants us to know. God hasn't told us what happened, but here's what the bottom line was. She kept her vow and she was praising God all the way through it. Amazing how her faith grew and responded and her confidence is in the Lord. So let's read verses, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance for the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry hunger no more. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. 
The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes. He has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's and upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. We'll stop there. This is a public testimony. It's a way for Hannah to tell her story of what God's done for her. And I just want you to know this is a beautiful Hebrew poem or song or, or prayer. It's written in a way that matches Miriam's song in Exodus 15. And this would be a great study sometime somewhere else in a small group to compare all the songs in Scripture. Moses' song in Deuteronomy 32, a lot of the same themes. Deborah's song in Judges 5. David's song in 2 Samuel chapter 22. And of course, Mary's song, the mother of Jesus, in Luke chapter 1 which is almost matches Hannah's song so close, it's like amazing. She must have stole some ideas. Hannah's song in 1 Samuel 2, by the way, is on one bookend. And remember, Samuel, 1 and 2 Samuel is really one book. And David has a song in 2 Samuel 22. It's pretty easy to remember, 1 Samuel 2. 2 Samuel 22, they're bookends. Hannah's song's prophetic. She's announcing what's going to happen. It's an overture that's describing all these themes. And here's how it's, and we're going to see how it plays out. And then David's looking back and saying, and see how God has delivered, how God has raised up and brought down. Those who trust in the Lord are going to triumph in his victory. Those who reject him, we're going to see what happens to them, how they go down to the dust and despair and destruction and experience God's wrath. Just a little bit of the structure there. It's beautiful. The question we have today as we take a quick look at this song today is, do I believe what Hannah says about God and about those who trust in him and about those who will not? Hannah's singing because the Lord's delivered her and we can join her with confidence as we seek the Lord and trust in him too. Look at verse one. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance. This is whole person worship. For the Hebrews, the heart was everything physical, everything moral, everything intellectual. It was the whole person. So what she's saying here is all my thinking, all of who I am, it's rejoicing in the Lord. Hannah had so many reasons to be bitter for so many years. She'd been barren and Peninnah, the other wife had been rubbing it in and insulting her and provoking her for years and years and years and years. Her husband Elkanah kind of failed to comfort her, comfort her totally or probably totally understand. I get it, I'm a guy. 
Eli questioned her motives when she was praying with all passion, but Hannah turned her thinking over to the Lord, all her physical circumstances, and now she's singing because she handed them over to God. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. Horns just to represent strength, her actions in life. So her thinkings focused on God. Her strength, she recognizes, is from God. Her ability to bear a son, she recognizes that strength or power came from God, not herself. And horns are just a way in the Bible. It's like from the animal world. You know how bulls and bucks and people with big racks of antlers, you know, can fight each other and dominate. It's just a sign of strength. So it's a picture of strength. And then she says, my mouth boast over my enemies, her words. So her thinking, her doing, her saying is all centered on the Lord. She's totally recognizing that God has delivered her, given her the power to to bear a son, that it was God's grace that answered her prayer. It all came from Jehovah. She wasn't eating. Now she's eating. Her heart was full of grief, and now it's bursting with joy because Hannah went into the presence of the Lord. Now, geography is pretty important sometimes. So Hannah is back in a tabernacle where she made her vow, and now she's in that same place keeping her vow. Seneca Hills Bible Conference doesn't mean anything to you. It means a lot to me. I can see it right now. The green grass, the pavilion where we played under the roof when it was raining, the cabins on the hills, Girls Hill, Boys Hill. doesn't mean anything to you. I was able to go back there several years ago with my family, and they were just walking around like, but I had all these memories because it was there that I found life in Christ, that God spoke to me and drew me to himself. It was there that I heard his voice start to say, you know, you need to think about ministry. What? No, not that. I don't know if this place, you know, God's everywhere. So, but this place could be, we call it a sanctuary, set apart place. Do you have a place where God has met you? I'd encourage you to go back there and remember the things you heard, the vows you made, commitments you made at that place because the physical and the spiritual connect. And that's what's happening here. Then Hannah describes God's character, just a little short list Verse 2, there's no one holy like the Lord. God's in a class by himself. Whatever our highest class is, triple A, quad A, gold, platinum, titanium, I don't know what other metal is there. He's above it. There's no one like you. God alone is strong. There's no rock like our God, a picture of strength used again and again in Scripture. It goes on to say in verse 2 and 3, He alone is wise, for the Lord is a God who knows. 
That ought to terrify us, by the way. And he weighs or knows the motives. By him, deeds are weighed. He knows our motives. He knows what I do, and he knows why I do it. It's never a question in his mind. Just a short description of how great God is. And Hannah sings about her victory, and she declares it because it's all about God. She's boasting in God. I was lost. I looked to God. He heard my prayer. I came knocking in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at what he did for me, and he will do that for anyone who looks to him for salvation. She was just telling her story. The world is looking for a hero. Take Hannah's cue. (laughs) Yeah, she gives us a few clues. Take her cue and look only to the God who can save, who can pull it off because he's sovereign, because he's holy, because he's all wise. Then she describes what God's going to do with people in verses four through eight. Here Hannah is going to illustrate how God's attributes, his holiness, his power, his wisdom, and his judgment of hearts works out in life. And there's seven contrasts. She compares warriors. They have the advantage. They have the bows and all the weak people like me running away from the strong guys, the hero guys, the the strong soldiers that are stumbling. Suddenly they're made strong. It's like Hannah's remembering Peninnah. Yeah, I was the weakling. You were the strong one. Now look who's the Lord has lifted up. The affluent trusting in their riches and savvy are now hungry, and those who are starving are now satisfied. The barren woman now has seven children. That's the full number. And those who had a lot of kids are now pining away. God is sovereign. He brings death and makes alive. He's in charge. He brings down to the grave and raises up. Is that a resurrection hint? He sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. God turns losers into winners. I call it the Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 story. Yeah, you can turn there some other time. We were all dead in our transgressions and sins. Destined for God's wrath, but God in his mercy saved us and raised us up and seated us in heavenly places with Christ. It takes losers and makes them winners. And it's all by God's work and all by God's grace. And then there's prophetic declarations. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's and upon them he has set the world. Just a reminder who's in charge. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. Jesus said all the proud talk, all the boasting is going to stop. And for those who don't trust in me, it's going to be nothing but weeping and gnashing of teeth. The wicked are going to be silenced. The only sound is weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'll tell you what, that is a very ugly picture. It's disturbing. And it ought to disturb me enough to begin to ask God to rescue more people 
to do great things, to show off his saving power more and more. If we would just ask him to do that, I wonder if he would want to answer. Hannah learned that life's battles aren't given to the physically strong, but to the ones who humble themselves before the Lord. First Samuel is all about how that's going to play out. We're going to see how it plays out. And then in verse 11, it just says this. Then Elkanah went home to Ramah. But the boy ministered before the Lord under Eli the priest. Mom and dad went home. I have a friend up in Muncie, one of my uh, fellows I worked with, and he called. We were sharing one time about how we tear up when our kids leave and the grandkids leave. (laughs) Do it every time. Sometimes I don't show it, but it's there. Sappy dad, that's us. Can you imagine? This was not an easy handoff for Hannah or Elkanah. Samuel was three years old, maybe four, probably at the most five. Just don't do that. But she sang this song of joy reflecting on it because she knew she could trust God and Samuel's life and and put it into God's hands and it was going to be okay. That whole idea of sowing and reaping. How would Samuel succeed? Because we're going to see God's going to be comparing in the next few chapters Eli and Samuel. (laughs) This kind of night and light comparison. Samuel will survive because he's in God's hands. He's going to flourish because he's in God's hands. How could Samuel be serving the Lord at such a young age? Just going to be listening to Eli. Serving God by serving the priest and doing his bidding. Something I passed over, but I want to go back to. It mentions in verse 28 that they worship the Lord there. I think it's talking about Eli. Hannah came and offered this son, worshiping the Lord, giving him over to the Lord. And it's almost like Hannah's faith was like enlivening Eli's faith and causing him to worship the Lord and say, wow, God is actually working. What have we learned today? There's so much more. Hannah's song introduces some important spiritual truths and themes that God wants us to digest and apply to our lives today. He's inviting us to lay hold of him in prayer like Hannah did for her son, like Elijah did for stopping up the heavens so it wouldn't rain. He's inviting you and me to pray boldly. To pray according to God's will for God's glory and to see what God, how God will answer, to believe that he will and to be ready to give back to him when he answers and gives us things. 
Don't be afraid to sow your treasures for the kingdom of God. What have you received as a gift from God that you're having a difficult time giving back to him? You've got something in your life. I've got something in my life that I want to hold on to. Would you begin to let go? And what hymn or song would you sing to yourself and to others about God's faithfulness to you? Have you reviewed that lately? Have you sung that song back to God? Would you learn to sing with Hannah? As he provides your daily needs, not just your physical needs, but the strength you need to be kinder, gentler, more patient at work when it's difficult, with family, with situations that test your faith. Let's pray. Lord God, we ask you today to take your word and put it in our lives as we think of Hannah and how she trusted in you and sang to you and saw you delivering, that you would allow us to experience that same deliverance as we cry out to you. Lord God, today, would you embolden us with belief? Give us life. Help us to see your greatness and glory in you and boast in you alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.